Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Lindsay Sharman, author, shaman, spiritual guide and experiencer of other realms via astral travel, dream walking, visions, and interaction with other dimensions entities. Today we're going to talk to her about her near-death-like experiences and more. Lindsay, thank you so much for being my guest today and welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. Well, if you don't mind, Lindsay, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. So can we just start with yours? Absolutely. I'll, I'll talk about the first one first. And, you know, you had said near-death-like, which is which is good because um, when I describe these to other people, they're the ones telling me that this is near-death-like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I experienced them myself, I didn't necessarily feel like I had died. Although mm-hmm. both of the experiences I can share with you, I definitely felt like I was in a completely different experience. And place than I had ever been and that it was very much so in that I can see you know how it's very similar to near death and so I'll tell you about the first one and um you know I was uh laying down in my bed where so many things begin (laughs) and you know at this point a lot of people will say well then wasn't this a dream there was nothing like any dream I ever and I have dreams like crazy all night, every night, my entire life. I remember all of them. Well, I remember a lot of them. Uh, They're vivid, they're detailed, they're long drawn out stories. And I've always been like this since I was a little kid. So I'm very familiar with the dream world. And this was nothing like that in any way, because this was, I just popped into this other experience and dimension, I guess you could call it. Um, I was very aware that I was fully present and lucid. It felt, and I've heard this so many times since then, realer than real, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like that's, just that's common. More intense, more vivid, more lucid than any waking moment I've ever had. Everything felt understandable to me. I intrinsically, inherently knew that I had no body here, but was completely present. And I also understood that there was still sort of space and time but the strangest thing about this was that everything was pitch black and there was nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) at all Mm -hmm. there was no light there was no other presence and I am not sure why it was just so dark Uh, and it didn't scare me at all because like most people I have a somewhat rational fear of the dark you know when it's really dark and you can't tell what's around and you're just cautious and it's a little bit spooky and 
you know, we, we want flashlights and <laughs> we want to see what's around us. And I had no fear at all. I had no, I just knew this was perfectly safe place to be. But I got this uh, feeling like there has to be something, right? There has to be, there's not ever nothing. There has to be something. And I just started looking. I started, it, which is hard to describe because I had no eyes, <laughs> but I started peering, like my, my focus began to just search. Is there anything here that's not just blackness? Uh, and eventually I noticed the tiniest prick of light and it felt, I sensed, and I just knew that it was impossibly far away. Like, even if I spent my whole life on a supersonic jet rushing towards it, I would never reach that point of light. Mm. But I also am bound and determined. And when you tell me I can't do something or I feel a limit has been placed on me, I'm like, I'm going to smash that. (laughs) So I felt it as a challenge. And I also had this raging curiosity. And there was something in me too that was almost like trickstery. Like I kind of knew I maybe wasn't supposed to go to where that light was, but I was going to go anyway and find out what it was. (laughs) Mm. So um, I started rushing towards it. And I did this just again, instinctively and naturally. I just understood that by willing it to be so, I would be moving towards it very quickly. And I, was putting like all of my might into this and all of my will and focus into rushing towards this light. And I sensed that it was getting closer, but again, so impossibly far, I was never going to make it. And then I simultaneously understood some other intelligence had become aware that I was in this space and that Mm -hmm. I wasn't supposed to be in this space. (laughs) Um, And I knew that, and it knew that I knew that. And uh, so this like pushed me into higher gear. Now it was like a game, you know, when a toddler, you can like chase a toddler and when they look Mm -hmm. back and see you, they're like even faster, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're going to run away and screaming. And it was like that game. It had that same energy to it. Um, And so I went even faster somehow. And I was like, everything I had now was just in this motion, like just go towards the light, just get there as fast as you can, because you're going to be plucked out of this soon and thrown back in your body. And I just knew all of this rushing towards it. it's getting bigger and bigger actually i'm finally gaining and it's like coming towards me now and i'm like oh my god i'm almost there i'm almost there i'm almost there i'm almost there i'm coming i finally got to it actually which i did not really actually expect for it to happen i got to it and i almost slammed up against it and it was just a square window and it was hmm. clear it was see-through it had the panes in it and everything <laughs> and i pushed my face up to it and i saw the most beautiful land that I can't even ever really describe to you how beautiful it is. It was pure light. Every, there was rivers and hills and sun and sky and trees and birds and rabbits and <laughs> everything that you would love. I just wanted to be there so bad. I wanted to lay on that hill by that river and just soak it up. I just could feel the love, the rejuvenation, the healing, the immensity of this perfect place and all I wanted was to get through that window but I just knew that I could not choose to go through that I could choose to get to whatever this place was somehow I could choose to rush towards this point of light somehow even though I knew I wasn't really supposed to but I could not get past this window even if I tried to break it it would never break there was no way through there and part of me just felt no way like I just want to be there why would I go back what is this place that I'm from, you know, where I'm supposed to be like, why, why any of us go back there? Why can't we just stay in this place forever? And then 
whatever that other intelligence or force was that knew I was in the wrong place just arrived and I didn't see it. I don't know who or what it was. Uh, it was loving. It wasn't dangerous or bad, uh, but it definitely put me back, put me back where I was from. And I uh, woke up <laughs> in my body again. Um, and, you know, I was pretty young. Let's, um, I'll guess that I was maybe 15 or 16. If I went back to my diaries, I could pinpoint the day, but um, it was just very sad, actually. Right. When I came back, I was like, disappointed. This life is dull compared to that place and that level of presence and being. Mm -hmm. um, and while I love being here, I love people. I love things. I love experiences. I was in a point in my life where I was not doing so hot. <laughs> like I was very troubled, in fact, and I had a lot of trauma. And so it made it even harder. Right. There was like a depression that came uh, with with returning and yeah, I drew pictures of it for a long time. I would just dwell on it like this beautiful place. I knew it existed in reality and I knew I would get there again someday. And I understood at some level that probably when I was dead, that's where I would go, you know? Um, but I just, I didn't share it with that many people because I had no frame of reference for this. I didn't, there was no community that I knew who would speak about this. This would have been about 96. So I don't even think the internet was really a part of my life yet. Like there was no one really to share it with. And, um, and this is why other people had eventually told me like, it's kind of like a near death experience, right? You're mm -hmm. in this place. It's realer than real. There's other intelligences there. There's the light actually. It's almost like the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and then there's that feeling, right? That this is the best place in the universe. <laughs> you want to be there. And why would you come back here? And then that depression, you know, and that focus on it and how it just changes you. And all of these are very similar, but as far as I know, I didn't die. If I did, I never became aware of it. Did this experience occur while you were sleeping? And if so, did you go from sleep into the experience or do you have sleep apnea or something? No, I, I don't have sleep apnea that I know of. I did not have any conscious experience of sleeping or falling asleep. I was laying in my bed um, and I had a lot of experiences at this time that were um, out of body or, um, you know, astral travel and, and then this and other things started how a lot was happening to me. And it would often happen at that moment where I was laying in bed, still awake, not yet asleep. And there's that sort of liminal space. And I actually used to just, no one taught me this. I don't even know why I did it, <laughs> but I would place my hands over my heart and I would make a sort of diamond shape over it. And I would start to breathe really deeply. So I think something in my subconscious or by maybe my genetic code or you know maybe ancestral memory uh maybe past life memory was like guiding me like here's how you <laughs> access how you other realms or dimensions and um because these are parts of these are some of the tools that people use i later learned uh in getting themselves into these states so um so i have no memory of being asleep mm. so you i have just... a memory of breathing and laying down and then suddenly popping out and being there. <laughs> All right. When you were there and you were looking through the window, did you happen to see beings there or just animals? No beings. And even the animals, I didn't feel like they had a conscious presence. I've had, I've had other experiences with, with animal-like beings in, in other sorts of realms, and they do have a consciousness and an intention and a presence. These were more like parts of the props almost of that place. And I almost wonder if it was my own interpretation of oh if there's a river and a 
you know, hillside in a tree, there's going to be some butterflies and a bunny over there, you know, that I almost was sort of calling those into the scene or something. Um, so yeah, if that helps to answer, there was no, there was no real conscious presence of any other beings except that one that <laughs> knew I shouldn't be there and was coming after me. <laughs> Do you feel like you are spiritually transformed from the experience? And if so, how? I do, I, because I, and there was even like a distance between me and everyone else after that, right? Because I couldn't really share it. And I, and if I could, no one would really understand it. And especially the other kids my age were definitely not thinking about these things, <laughs> right? <laughs> and especially the sorts of friends that I was friends with at the time were much more into finding cigarettes and alcohol than talking about, you know, these experiences you have. And I think they would have just told me it was a dream. And so there was a lot more space put between me and other people by it, um, including, including, you know, my own family. And I just sort of, even, even that space, it enhances your sort of uh, reflect, reflective side, um, you know, in the part of you that uh, reaches to something beyond uh, humanity for your kind of comfort, solace, and guidance. Uh, and so I definitely was changed in those ways. I started really looking inside more often and reaching out to, um, you know, God and allies. And I didn't have a whole lot of understanding or words for that. I just kind of started doing it more and more. And I received answers, <laughs> I received mm. responses. So I think if you don't make that sort of request or reaching out to that, that side, if you want to call it that, um, that it, maybe they don't always show up. Right. And I'll say, I think they always show up, but I think you can uh, not be aware of it, uh, and that they'll show up much more with much more presence and intention in your life. If you are calling out for it and inviting it. Are you saying calling out physically speaking out loud or just mentally? If you do it out loud, it's more effective. There's sound carries energy, right? And it just mm -hmm. carries intent and it proves your will, right? And we're, we're scared to speak out loud, actually. Even when we're alone, sometimes we don't want to say some things out loud. It just feels like, um, who are we to say this? Or, you know, no, one, no one's here to listen anyway. Who am I talking to? We have all this doubt and all of this part. We just repress ourselves and hold it in. And um, when you say it out loud, it's way more powerful. But I truly also have had the experience where you call out deeply enough from your heart and soul and you really mean it. That's also going to work. Um, so you're not going to be abandoned. <laughs> so do you say something like, God, can you please make a presence in my life and help me? Or what do you recommend? Yeah, I, that would be perfect. Um, I also, you know, I just think it's really important to make sure your intention is that you're in alignment with whatever you call God or source or the loving energy of the universe or anything like that, because there are other energies and you don't want them to be the ones that respond. And so <laughs> to be clear in that for yourself is really important. Um, but you can call out to God. You can call out to your angels. You can call out. I just call them allies and guides. You know, you're surrounded by them. There's all kinds. You can call out to your ancestors who are also in alignment with the love or the light or the mm -hmm. good, true, and beautiful is what I usually say. Um, and all of those will work. All of those will be responded to. The main thing we experience is that um, we don't receive the response because we don't think that that's how they'll respond or we don't feel like they really will. And so we just miss it. Um, you know, it's sometimes less obvious than we think. For example, if you were, if you went outside, you know, and you're sitting there and you said, you know, my allies, my angels will, 
will somebody just reach back to me and just give me a sign that you're here or that you're, you know, that you love me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe like a little bird comes right then and lands in front of you. And someone's like, well, that's just a bird. That's just a coincidence. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, or is that them saying, yeah, here I am. What's up? (laughs) So I just think sometimes we ignore, we ignore when they respond and that's a little sad too. Since we're speaking about God, how do you define God? I think the less we define God, the better. (laughs) I really, you know, God to me is like so many different traditions and practices describe God differently. And I tend to say he and him for everything, like (laughs) for angels, for guys, for allies, they don't don't have a gender. And I just say he, it's just my default. So everyone can just ignore that about me. But um, I'd say God, you know, is, it can't be especially if you're raised like me with a little bit of the Christian background. And uh, I will personify him as a bearded white man. That's not what he looks like, (laughs) but that's what I will perceive him as or just project onto him. Right. Um, But I also, you know, Star Wars nailed it when they talked about the force. This is an ever present, living, loving, responsive energy. It's in every atom, every molecule, everywhere. There is nowhere where it is not. That's God. Right. And that's true. That's what we have here in this reality, too. You don't have to call it the force, uh, but you could call it the ether or maybe you call it, um, you know, something else that feels a little bit more scientific for you. Maybe you call it vibration, you know, waveform, but whatever it is, that's in everything, right? Everything. There is no every atomic molecule up to the tiniest, tiniest bit, all the way up to the giantest aspect of the universe. They're all carrying that same energy. They're all carrying some animating, intelligent, conscious presence. Uh, and it is literally everywhere and everything. And so that is that is God to me. Um, but sometimes I like to personify him as a, as a bearded white dude too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just part of my brain. <laughs> all right. Well, if you don't mind, let's go on to your next one because I thought you had a second NDE-like experience. Yeah. This one was also, um, this it has directly to do with my bearded white God. <laughs> so um, this one was from sleeping. Um, you know, I'd fallen asleep fully. And I uh, woke up to being in, it was almost like I was in that land of light and bliss and love that I couldn't get to through the window. It was almost like that. I don't think I was actually there, but maybe I was. Uh, but whatever, wherever I was, it was pure light and it was pure comfort and it was pure vulnerability and joy and it it defies description again and I was like a little child again but with the intellect I have now so I was just that pure purely joyous innocent super exuberant you know very present self and it was like I was in the arms of a giant god like I was my full adult body but I was being like cradled (laughs) and I loved it. And I was just sitting there looking up at this presence. And again, it was, it was like the white bearded God to me, but it was very nebulous. It was not distinct. There was no like hard outlines. And like, this is definitely a, a being. And it looks like this. It was much more like everything was God. And I was just, again, projecting that sort of outline onto it so that I could understand it and interact with it. Very beautiful and very, uh, very paternal feeling and loving feeling. And I was asking him endless questions and I wish I could remember all of them, Mm -hmm. but when I kind of came 
too in this space and had more more presence and more lucidity I I had been there for a time and I knew that and I had just sort of started to have this uh, level of consciousness we have here you know come into the experience and and I was asking him you know do you are are you behind everything that's created like literally everything and he was like yeah I am Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh are you the reason that Michelangelo you know did the Sistine Chapel and yeah, I, I am the reason for that. He, you know, he did that, but I am the reason for it. I'm the reason for all of it. And I was like, wow, can you do literally anything? He's like, anything, I can do anything. And I was just having so much fun, just like asking these questions of God. He's literally got to just ask God questions. It was probably my favorite moment of all of my life. And unfortunately he was like, you know, you have to go back soon. And I was like, oh man, I was like, okay, one more thing, one more thing. And he was like, okay, what is it? And I said, could you, you know, you're God, right? You can do anything. Could you let me see my dog again? My dog, <laughs> you know, my dad died when I was young. I didn't ask to see my dad. My grandparents had died. I, did. I wanted to see my dog and my dog was very close. I was very close to this dog. He was my best friend. We went through a lot together. Um, I just missed him terribly. And so I guess I defaulted to him. I don't know. I've, I've always felt kind of guilty that I asked for my dog instead of these humans that I was very close to. But, you know, I asked him, could I see my dog? Could you bring him back again? Could I see him again? And he gave me this very strange look, almost like a sad, you know, like the look a parent would give a kid who's about to go um, driving in like a car that could go too fast. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm, do you really want that? I'm not sure you do, but I'm going to let you make your own choices. It was that kind of a look. And they didn't really understand it. And he said, yeah, I, I can do that. And I said, awesome. Like, yeah, so excited. <laughs> and then I woke up in my bed and I was like, wow, that was an incredible dream, right? Quote unquote crazy dream like I loved it and then I was just sitting there in this feeling of that love I had got to experience this infinite peace I had gotten to experience and how beautiful it was and kind of starting to get a little bit of that depression again of like coming back to the world like why can't I just stay forever in the arms of God like why do we even have to do any of this stuff and then I heard something there was a noise in my living room and you know, the person I lived with at the time wasn't even supposed to be home. And I knew that. And so there shouldn't have been any noises in my living room. So I was kind of confused. And then I remembered God told me that he was going to give me my dog back again. So I got really excited. I jumped out of bed and I ran out into the living room. My dog was there (laughs) and I started bawling, crying so heavily. I grabbed him and he was licking me and we were just hugging. And I was like, overwhelmed. This was incredible. And he was kind of though like too old like older even than when he had died and he was like shaky and just not healthy or well like there was something wrong like this wasn't supposed to be how he was and he was maybe even a little confused and I was a little confused and I think this is where that look came from like yeah I can but there's a reason why you don't have that still with you right there's there's some things that maybe shouldn't necessarily be and I kind of started to remember that look as I was realizing that like he was just kind of too shaky and kind of too old and something was just not quite right. And then as I was just crying and crying and crying, and then I woke up in my bed (laughs) and I was so confused because it was so real 
nothing about it felt even slight. It wasn't just lucid dream. Like it was like I had lived it and I was so confused and I jumped out of my bed and I ran out to my living room and there was no dog there. My dog was not there. And I just collapsed on my couch and I was crying and crying. I cried all day. I cried the next day. I'm so glad I didn't have to work that day because I would not have been able to because it was just overwhelming. It was the combination of having come back from a place that was so beautiful and so pure and so loving and so good and having to be back here again where things weren't perfect and mm-hmm. things were hard. And then the combination also of having seen my dog again, it kind of just ripped open that wound again. Uh, and also wondering if I had made a mistake, you know, did I harm his soul in some way by calling it back in this way? Or, you know, did something kind of go wrong? And all of this sort of doubt and, and whatnot. And so, you know, I eventually was able to let that go and understand that it was actually really good for me to have that experience. There was some unhealed, you know, when he died, I was in a very traumatic place also many years before. And so I was able to heal a lot of that and let more of him go and, and do, you know, some forgiveness with myself and with him and uh, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that are like, come on, it's just a dog, but it was, it was intense for me. And so I was able to really bring more closure and healing to that. So I do think it was good. And I was able to, you know, let myself off of whatever blame hook I put myself on by calling him back like that. But it took me a while to get back into like, here's, this is actually real life. Dead dogs don't come back. God is really cool and awesome, but you don't get to hang out with him all day, every day. And you do have to go to work and, you know, here's the real world. And it took a while to integrate back into that. And I hear that from a lot of near-death experienced people too, that it just takes this time or you're just, you know, that this three-dimensional real world is just a drudge um, and it's hard to make yourself go back to it fully. So I had, I had some of that experience as well. And, you know, that feeling of meeting God, which I will never be able to actually describe to anyone (laughs) is another uh, thing that some near-death experience experiencers have as well. Um, so there's just some similarities there. It's less, less near-death like in that, you know, it did happen while I was asleep. Um, it wasn't necessarily realer than real, except that moment with my dog. <laughs> that, that was realer than, that was just as real as real, I'll just say. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty stunning and beautiful experience and changed me again. Can you recall any more of the questions and answers you had with God? Uh, Those are the only ones that stood out to me. But I remember a lot of them were about sort of like the rules, you know, Hmm. like, why? Why are we here? What are we doing? (laughs) Why can't we always be with you Mm -hmm. or in heaven or whatever we call this place that is where our souls go in between lives or however you like to think of those things and I don't remember the answers from that experience, but I feel like I understood them intrinsically. I feel like I I have them now, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I feel like I got all that information, but I I don't have the active memory of it. So why do we come here? There's so many reasons. (laughs) There's so many reasons. I know some of us and some of the people I've been working with lately, actually, and myself included, have come here for this specific time. Um, And we have come here from um, a place that is kind of uh, further beyond karma than a lot of humans are otherwise dealing with right now. Right. So there's the, there's the karmic sort of loop 
uh, that is going on. And then there's this other sort of experience where you're coming in to try to assist humanity and humanity has created for itself a lot of karma. Um, and karma doesn't mean, um, people think of karma pretty simplistically. They're like, you have a good karma or bad karma. And it's a lot, it's actually even simpler than that. It's just cause and effect. You do this and this is what happens in return. So if I flick a rock and it flies across the room, like that's karma. I flicked, it flew, (laughs) right? It does, however, have sort of good karma, bad karma effect. If you um, cause harm and go against someone's free will or natural law, uh, you know, and you harm them in some way, then you're actually doing that to yourself. And so you have to also then experience receiving exactly that uh, because you are you are you, you are all, all of these things, actually. Uh, so there's that level of karma. And a lot of people are going through that cycle because they've created all of this karma and they have to bring it back to a balance at some point, right? And then there's other people who have come in to sort of assist because the karma has gotten so heavy. There's so much negative karma that is dragging people down. And there's this point where people get to, and you can imagine this for a puppy or a child even too, right? There's a point where they will no longer participate um, or continue to go on if they feel like it's hopeless, right? Why would you? You're like, oh, I mean, I, if I can't even get the pizza party, why am I going to act good? I'm not going to be good. I'm going to be bad. <laughs> um, and there's, there's kind of, that's a simplified way of looking at it. But, you know, if all of humanity is accumulating and has accumulated so much negative karma um, that it's sort of dragging down to the point of like, why would we continue or how could we continue? There's forces that have come in to assist with that. You can't just snap karma goes away because that's a soul's free will choice they've made. Um, And you can't just undo this free will choice that people have made or the consequences of it. Is this the way the universe works? But some people have stepped in to assume like a, we'll say like a karmic slice of the pie. Come in, they said, I'm not actually human, but I will become human. I'll incarnate as human. And in my genetic code and memory, there will be some karma (laughs) and I will choose to deal with it and help it come back to balance in this life. Um, so what are they? I mean, some people call them light workers or people from the angelic realms or, you know, there's all kinds of things. And I get a lot less attached to words and definitions than some people do, but I think all of those things fit. Um, and I, I hope I've answered the question because I forgot what it was at this point. No, you're fine. <laughs> I'm good. From what you're saying, it, it almost sounds like what I hear people using the term star seed. They came here from another star you know star system and they're here to help out humanity have you have you used that terminology i've never used that but in my work with people i do a lot of uh shamanic type and spiritual work and every once in a while it's comes through in our ceremonial um space that i create with them that that their ancestors or they their soul is from a specific star cluster and um, I, I just feel lucky enough to know, to understand which ones when it's coming through, because I don't know a lot of star clusters. But for example, I had someone not that long ago that was um, associated with the star Sirius. I know some people have their ideas about who and what are from different star places, and I don't pretend to know. Um, and so I think some people have negative associations with Sirius, but this person at least had a very positive role to play in this world and came for a very positive reason. Uh, and I had another person who I'm much more familiar with the Pleiades and they had that in their ancestral 
spiritual ancestral uh, lineage. I'm glad you brought up shamanism. Can you tell us how you became a shaman and what you do as a shaman? Yes. Well, other people tell me I'm a shaman. So I, I, I call myself a shaman only when people ask me if I am one, I say, sure, you can call me that <laughs> because I, I have uh, actually native heritage. My father was born into a tribe and you can look at him and see that he's very native American, but he was adopted by a Caucasian family who paid the uh, people to write all his papers and say that he was Caucasian, even though you can look at him and see that he's native. Um, and so my brother looks very native. I actually look kind of mixed and my sister looks very white. Our mother is pure, pure white Norwegian. So we have this sort of mixed heritage. And so I do have that in my ancestry, but because he was adopted, I have no idea what our tribe tribal affiliation would be. We've never been able to find out. We've never been able to get on any sort of roles or anything. So I don't have that tradition active in my um, consciousness or in my, my family life. Um, but I have just randomly throughout my life been starting when I was 13 or so been invited by shamans to participate in various ceremonies, always randomly, always without me seeking them often because they literally plucked me out of a crowd. And so I was called to this work by events like that and that my you know, soul has guided me towards. Um, and so I, I hesitate to pick the word up because none of these various teachers I've had who plucked me out and, you know, worked with me and taught me things has officially said to me like, all right, now you're a shaman. And I don't have this tradition that I'm connected with that I can say like, yeah, this is, this is the lineage I'm a part of. Right. Uh, my, I had a, a professor friend who said once that people like me are of the lost tribe. Um, so if anything, I'm a lost tribe shaman, <laughs> but what I really have done is uh, blended many different uh, traditions uh, and backgrounds together. Like I said, I have a, a bit of a Christian background too. So I work with Jesus and Mother Mary and Michael Archangel and Angel Gabriel. And I also have uh, had, you know, Buddhist and Hindu teachers. So I have some, you know, various aspects of those traditions and what I do, Um you know, and there's just a lot of different uh, aspects that I draw together. So there isn't even really a name for what I do, but shaman is a good word for it because all shaman really means is the person who can cross into the other realm and bring back healing or allow, you know, healing to come through or channel that into this realm or hold presence for it to be here with us. That That's what a shaman does. And that is what I do. So hmm. it is fair. <laughs> Can you tell us about some of your experiences with Jesus and the archangels? Yes. So actually one of my, it wasn't necessarily my first uh, experience with a uh, shamanistic healing, but it was my first really profound and direct one. I'll say where I knew for sure it was about me and, and not anyone else. And I um, was in, <laughs> I was in a journey, right? If anyone's ever done like a drum journey with a shaman, it was um, probably similar to that. And, uh, I was walking down a very dark path and I got into a boat, uh, in this place in the sacred place. And, uh, you know, this, this guide is supposed to be in the boat with you, guiding you. And for me, it was Jesus. And he reached over and he touched me on the head. And I had like this full, just understanding that we <laughs> had always worked together and that, uh, he was, had always been one of my main guides and, um, you know, that, that he was always going to be. And I have this 
very it's very reverent but it's very like jocular relationship with all of my uh spiritual allies and guides that I work with um I'm very I'm very humble and I also don't put them on this pedestal a lot of people do and I just understood that he was totally okay with that (laughs) right and a lot of people would have told me that that's not the way and that you're supposed to like worship and just prostrate yourself and you are nothing and they are everything and I was like, I'm not really down with that. Like, I'm not really good. That's not really who I am. Like, I'm like, we're equals in a way. Uh, And I just, and Jesus said that actually, you know, like I am you, you are me. I am the way, the way is within you. Like we are not separate or different. And so I just understood in this moment, all of these things about he and I, our relationship together and how I was allowed to like freed me, right. To be able to connect with him much more directly because I didn't have to hide myself. I didn't have to pretend like, oh, okay, I'll put on like a cowl and I'll come on my knees and do it like this because that's what I'm supposed to do. He was like, no, you do it your way. That's you. (laughs) This is our relationship. It is direct and personal. Um, And so that was really, really beautiful. And, you know, if there's anyone out there who needs to hear that and feel that, that's also true for all of us, not special or different right? It just became clear to me that that was true, Uh, but it's true for everybody. If you want it to be true for you, it is. (laughs) Um, But before that even, I had also been in a very spiritually dark place um, where I uh, didn't know really what was going on, but I was under demonic attack. Um, And, you know, in the moment where I really needed relief from that and had no idea what was happening, I thought I was just going insane, really. Um, I called out on Jesus and invited him into my heart because a Christian invited me to do so. And I was like, I don't even care. Like, let's do anything to just stop this. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, which we could talk about that story if we have time and you'd like to, but, um, but in that moment, I mean, I went from this severe state of chaos and terror and inflicted just pain and suffering. And when I said the words, you know, that I invite Jesus into my heart, uh, from head to toe, just pure peace filled me. I couldn't have made this feeling fill me if I tried, you know, but it just filled me from head to toe. And I just knew I didn't have to worry anymore. There was nothing that could, that could harm me or get to me or stop me. It was beautiful. So I've had these, you know, few really direct experiences in my early life that really cemented our, our relationship together. How are you helping people know and work with their own spiritual gifts? Yeah, that's almost all I do. My real goal is that anyone who works with me won't ever need to again. (laughs) That's what I hope, you know, and I don't want to push anybody away too soon before they're ready. But, you know, if any, any good teacher or spiritual healer should have the same goals, right? Like we should, we should want to empower people so that they can go do this for themselves and hopefully eventually for other people too. The more people we have who are in direct connection with their soul and, um, you know, whatever you call the other side and God, the better, the better for the whole world. This is what we're lacking so sorely in our world. And so I teach, uh, in various different ways. I teach one-on-one through what I call guidance sessions. And these are super flexible. It's people of all different, places in their own spiritual journey from just kind of like, I'm not sure, but I just feel like I need something, you know, to, or like, oh, I've had all these experiences. I don't understand them. 
can you help me understand them? Or, you know, who are my guides? I kind of know what's going on, but I just want to know more directly, like who can I call on and who should I be working with and all sorts of things. Um, we can get messages from your guides. We can use tarot, which is another, I do tarot readings. Uh, we can use that in guidance sessions. And this is just a way for you to, whatever you're at, um, kind of get to the next step or get some clarity or some insight. I also um, do healing ceremonies, which are more intense. They're kind of meant for people who are maybe suffering their own sort of attack, whether demonic or otherwise, um, or maybe they're just kind of lost, or maybe they just feel like something's blocking them and they're just, it's in the way and we just need to figure out what this is and release it. Um, you know, and we go in and it's much more intense than a tarot reading or a guidance session. Uh, a lot of times some deep trauma comes up. Sometimes we have some past life, um, uh, that we go back to and release some trauma from. Uh, and sometimes we have soul retrieval happen and always, uh, we find out very specific guides and allies that are there, um, to help and heal. And then they're with you always and you get to work with them and call on them after that however you like um and so those are really transformative for people a lot of people find huge shifts in their relationships or their career or just their own personal well-being and all sorts of levels uh and so those are uh an excellent choice too it's it's sort of a blend of healing and teaching in them and finally i'll just mention i also do what i call brighter you Brighter You is a six-week course for people who feel kind of more directly called to do spiritual service uh, and spiritual work with others, but don't really know where to start. And so we go through a process that really unlocks uh, some of your more um, deeper gifts. Everybody has spiritual gifts. Everybody has spiritual access to their gifts. Uh, there's no one who doesn't. Uh, and so we go through, you know, finding out what they are, finding out who your guides and allies are and finding out how you can access that more directly, trust that and follow that. And then eventually offer that to other people or at the very least yourself. How are you able to determine if someone's got an entity attached to them and how do you remove them? That's a great question. So when I do a ceremony, and this is why I always say to people, I can't guarantee what's going to happen in a ceremony because I have no idea. <laughs> so we, I go into the ceremony and I am just an observer and that's it. Um, I, I I should say I also call on different of my own guides and allies to help and support. And I, and I call on the person's guides and allies to help and support. So there's a bit of that too. And the reason that's effective is because the person has given me that spiritual permission. I wouldn't be able to do this on someone who didn't, right? Maybe I would if I was like a warlock, but I'm just not an evil person. So I wouldn't. <laughs> um, and it's really not powerful when you do. So if, if you work with me and you choose that and you give that permission, then I can do those things. But I don't know what's going to happen when we're in there. A lot of people come and they think they have spiritual entity attachments or demons or whatever. And I go in and they don't, they actually have their own, you know, psychological and spiritual blockages they've created that feel to them like an alien or like a demon or like this other entity. And it's like, sorry, that's actually you. <laughs> that's much more frequent actually than the attachment side. We all have these energies around us that are trying to probably mess with us a bit and poke and try and find ways in and whatnot, but we have far more light allies and guides around us than we ever could have dark. Um, so it's just not, it's not as common as people would think, but when I do go into that space, if there is some kind of dark entity or attachment, it will just be apparent. And it's actually the first thing that I ask to be shown. 
or to show itself. Uh, and so it, it just comes out and some people have multiple, most people have none. Some people just have one. Sometimes it's a big one though. <laughs> Sometimes it's a really powerful one. And so, um, again, I, when we see it, uh, I ask, uh, for my own guides and allies and their guides and allies to show or to help us understand how to get rid of it, what the best way is. And most of the time they do it themselves. Uh, today, actually, during a ceremony, um, and again, this is really, really rare, but to, during a ceremony today, we actually had uh, Jesus, Michael, the Archangel, and Mother Mary all come in to remove a demonic entity that was very high level. I wouldn't be able to do it myself, mm. you know? That's not <laughs> that's not how it works, and I think most healers will admit that, too, that I don't really do anything but make the space and go into the space um, and observe and witness and, again, request help. It's like you needed the dream team to help you out today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really intense. It was quite beautiful, though. And I, I always tell people, you know, some people say like, oh, I'm so sorry. I had this demon. I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. I'm like, I'm sorry you've been dealing with that. <laughs> I didn't suffer from this at all. It doesn't attach to me. I didn't even do anything. I just watched it and it's much more I'll say uh enjoyable pleasurable uh, fulfilling to be able to watch these amazingly high level beautiful beings of light come in and deal with that than anything else <laughs> I'm honored like thank you for letting me be a part of this really it's a it's truly humbling and amazing experience so um so I don't, people don't have to worry. I've had people say to me, like, is this one going to be too dark for you? I'm like, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I think this is why I've been prepared in so many ways for this is, you know, I shouldn't say that I don't want to invite the thing that might be, but um, no, it'll be fine. Can you share with us how the demon was affecting her and how she changed afterwards? I'll share two different ways that I've seen, you know, kind of overall the overview of how they were affecting people. Um, and this one specifically, it was over her souls generally are, uh, in this space, like a, a central column of their own sort of dome or egg. That's just how I perceive it. Um, and in her soul space, she was crouched down crying and, uh, full of guilt, full of regret and full of agony. And, you know, what that really represents is not that all day, every day she was crying in the 3D, but on the soul level, this was a trauma and a series of pains that had accumulated that she wasn't able to let go of or get over. So while not all day, every day she's crying, all day, every day, some part of her is, and it's affecting everything she does, right? Just like all of us, when we have unhealed trauma, every reaction we have, is a little bit harder. Everything we want to accomplish is a little bit harder. You know, it's much easier to fail. It's much easier to lash out all those things. So this uh, demonic entity was actively holding her in that. So even if she would have had like an inclination or a desire or a, an ability to sort of start to break through, he was finding ways to clamp it back down again. And I don't know exactly how this looks in her lived experience, but I imagine it's things like, you're like, today I'm going to, you know, do good. I'm going to like, be like this. It's going to be great. And then right then your ex calls you and is like, you need to give me money. Right, right, right. You're a horrible person. <laughs> oh, right. A lot of times demonic influence happens through things like that. It's not like a demon just pops up in your face and starts like stabbing. No, <laughs> it's much more this, you know, thing will happen. This event will happen. This 
that's how much more how it will affect you. So, um, so when it was removed, not by me, uh, her soul was able to sort of look around and it was like coming out of a dream is what it looked like, right? Like, Oh, what have I been doing? (laughs) You know? And, and then we were able to do all this other healing. And eventually by the end, her soul was standing up straight as it should be as the central column. And she had let go of all of this. And, you know, when I'm, um, sharing this with people afterwards, because I do the ceremony and then we meet to discuss what happened always, almost always people say that's so weird because for the last week, this has started to come into my mind and I've been starting to notice this and I haven't liked it. And I've been, you know, wishing it could change. And then just today I've been feeling so light and so lifted up and just like open and bright. And then when I talk to them later, they say, you know what, for the next two weeks, everything just started to shift. People just treated me differently. I treated them differently. These things just started to happen in a different way. Every time I hear these same things, this the ceremony transcends time and space. It does not you know, that they start experiencing it, their soul starts experiencing it before we do it in the third dimension. <laughs> and then they keep experiencing it and integrating it is what some people say for the next, who knows how long, really forever, but immediate changes are noticeable more so than the longer term. So, um, so that's one way. Um, and the other way that I've seen these demonic entities affect people is they actually are often from past lives. And so this is when it looks more like a soul retrieval is what is often called. And so uh, we've actually gone into what would usually be a past life. We sort of travel and I can just tell we're going back in time for however I can tell. You just can. And usually we end up in a past life when we do that. But sometimes like this specific type of demonic attachment, we go to a place more than a time um and we see an energy more than a anything else and so a lot of times past how am i saying this a lot of times our soul has little pieces that have been left somewhere or something has kept them for itself uh, because we gave it to them we have free will always we did this on purpose at some point for some reason um, and it's, and it's holding on to that. And so we need to retrieve it and bring it back. Right. This is actually a huge part of why people feel like they can't heal or they can't accomplish this, or it just doesn't ever work. It's because this part of you is actually missing from your psyche and, uh, your soul and it needs to come back. And so when we go back, sometimes, uh, it is this demonic space that their soul has been trapped within. And that's actually, if anything were ever scary for me, like that is a bit scarier than anything else. We're actually going into this place that is not in any way comfortable or safe feeling. But I also have such um, high level protection at this point that I also have ultimate faith that it just is not, it's not going to be bad. But, you know, if you were going to call anything scary, like this would be it. Uh, And that's very different, you know, from this active, like I'm suppressing you in this moment, I'm going to send this and this at you. This is like, I'm just, I own this. This is mine. This piece of your soul. It's not yours. It's mine now. And I keeping it here. (laughs) Um, So it's a little bit different. It, it can have similar types of effects It can kind of almost feel similar, but uh, it's a totally different type of attachment. All right. I'm going to switch gears with you. (laughs) I checked out your YouTube channel today and I think you also have a podcast. So can you tell everybody what is your YouTube channel and what is your podcast called? Yeah, uh, my YouTube channel is Rogue Ways. I'm also on Rockfin, uh, which is Rockfin doesn't censor anyone ever. And so 
uh, it's a lot more free. And so I'm more of my content is actually there. My historical content is on YouTube and my newer uh, content will always be on Rockfin more fully. And then I also have a podcast version of all the shows. So I do the shows live Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. And then I, you know, get the audio and put it out to the podcast listeners. So Rogueways is more, you know, society, philosophy, politics, science, conspiracy, culture, consciousness, just anything. It's a mixed bag. I just like to talk to interesting people and find out where they've been and what they're doing and what they have to share. I don't always agree with everyone hundred percent, but I still enjoy, you know, learning and presenting new information. Um, and then middle path is what I do on Thursdays at 7 PM mountain live. And it's only on Rockfin, and it is for supporters only. So people who are supporting me on rogue.locals.com or on subscribestar.com slash rogue dash ways or on Rockfin itself, they get access to middle path. And it's much more of this content we've been talking about here you know, my own spiritual journey, my own spiritual lessons, lots of the paranormal and, and sort of strange experiences I've had throughout my life, all the shamanic experiences, but also um, lessons from that. And, you know, if you're, if you are looking to get deeper into your own spiritual path, I, I do practices every time. So there's, you know, something you can take and just start using every day if you want. And so it's meant to be helpful for anybody who's of a sort of spiritual mindset or path. Do you have a website as well? And if so, is that called Rogueways? Yes, I do. It's rogueways.org. I always point out too that it's rogueways as in pathways, not rogue waves as in ocean waves, because those are a thing too. That's actually what inspired the Mm. name. But (laughs) then people are like, there is no rogueways.org. Actually, there might be, I'm not sure. (laughs) But rogueways.org is my site. And there you can um, be connected to all the different places I just set, talked about where my show is. You can find my books. I make orgone pendants and creations for people. And then I also um, provide these spiritual services and supports and um, celebrations too. I do an event called One Day of Brightness where we get together and do meditations and sort of regressions and meet our spiritual allies and guides and learn different tips and techniques to, you know, uplift ourselves and keep ourselves going through what otherwise sometimes feels like very dark times to people. Uh, And so to keep that sort of light alive, I am to be very realistic. I know the darkness exists. Trust me. Well, you just heard about it, (laughs) but I also know that the light is more powerful and I'm just not worried about it. Um, So I like to keep people in that vibe as well. Just, you know, trusting their own soul and believing that good things are coming. Sounds like you're extremely busy. Do you have anything else you're working on that you want us to know about? I am currently um, was called to channel a book. I always used to really shy away from this word channeling uh, because there was a lot of content and people who had used that word so often that I just felt like we're liars. Um, and (laughs) leading people astray. Uh, And so I just kind of uh, developed an aversion to the word and the whole concept just turned me off until I started doing it. And I was like, well, I don't have a better word for it. So I have channeled some books and I am currently channeling another. My most recent is All Endings Are Beginnings. And uh, what I love about this book is it's meant to be like an oracle Uh, And so you can ask a question of any kind and then open the book and then that is your answer. And it's just short little, um, you know, entries on each page. 
uh, that give you a little insight. And I love the stories that people share about this. You know, they get the book and then they're like, oh my God, it worked. I'm like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> um, but it really, that, you know, they'll share the question and then the answer they got. And it's so direct. Like every time it's a really beautiful source um, inspired book. And so if people want that, you know, it's a little bit easier than learning tarot or I Ching, uh, but it's, you know, maybe as effective for them in their lived experience. Uh, and so another one's coming. It's called the key of transformational healing. I have no idea how far I am because I just try not to ask. I just sit down and let it come and they'll tell me when it's over. So we'll see. Can we find your books on Amazon? Can. Uh, they're under pen names, but because when I started writing, I was a public school teacher and it even if your books are perfectly rosy, good, it's just not safe to publish under your public name. So I wrote under Corey Sharman for a while, Q-U-O-R-R-I. And then I also, you know, this book, I had come out of the closet as Lindsay Sharman. And so Lindsay Corey Sharman is what this book's under. So it's a little bit confusing. You can find links to all of it from my site, rogueways.org though. And I can either get you a copy directly from me with a nice little inscription in it from me, a little note from me to you. Um, or you can also link over to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and everything from my site too. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how do they reach you? Yes. The best way is probably just to go to the site, rogueways.org. And there's a contact, it's like contact me or just contact. And you can just go there and submit your um, question or, or reach out. And, you know, a lot of people usually ask, like, I want to do something, but I don't know what, what should I do? And so we'll just talk about, you know, whether a tarot reading guidance session, a healing ceremony or anything else might be good for you. Or if you just want to say hello or whatever you want, go ahead and do that. That's probably the best way. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Absolutely. I, I said it before and I'll just say it again. You know, you are surrounded by love and truly deeply loving source guides, allies, angels, all kinds of beings. And if you don't feel like that's true, the only reason you don't feel like it's true is because you've blocked it out because you don't believe it, or you haven't given yourself enough time and space of just quiet presence to really receive it and feel it. And you can do that anytime you want. There is nobody who is, you know, special and other people are not special Everybody has this connection. Everybody has this around them and anybody can access it. Uh, so don't cut yourself short by just believing that not you, only, only these other people, not me. No, that's not true. You too. So let yourself experience that and reach out and touch it. You know, and the more we do, that's how we transform the world. You know, one of my books uh, at every single section of the book, I have another quote from what you want to call an ascended master or a great teacher of the world. And all of them are of the exact same message. And it goes like, in order to save the world, you save all of yourself. If you save all of yourself, you will save all of the world. And people always ask me, what are we supposed to do about all these world changes? And I say the same thing, heal yourself. And this is one of the steps you can do to do that is reach out to those loving forces that are all around you and just be with them. Let them love you, love them back, and then just see what happens from there. Uh, that is the best way to transform the world. Lindsay, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being our guest. I really appreciate you. And I wish you an amazing evening. Take oh, care really... and enjoy your Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. I really appreciate you too. And thank you so much for the opportunity. All right. Have a good evening. You too. 
Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.